more than glad to have you here. Um, question to start off this morning. Have you ever been like really excited to go to a new restaurant and, and you got there and it, it was just a dud? This was not what you, uh, what, not what you expected. Um, or, or maybe, uh, maybe this happened to you. So um, Andy and I, uh, over the past, uh, I don't know how many years, long time, we'd go to Wichita, we'd hang out for something, and we're going to go eat. We'd go to On the Border. It was like every time we'd just go to On the Border. It was great atmosphere. It was great food. And then um, they changed something. I don't know what that something was. Uh, it was management or where they got their, I don't know, but it just like, we do not go to On the Border anymore. Uh, in fact, we thought we'd try it after, what, about a year or something, a few months ago. We thought, well, let's go back. We haven't been there in a long time. Nope, not going back there again. Uh, the, the, it's just things that happen that change. You know, it's the food or it's the atmosphere. Something changes. It's not, uh, not right. I, I'll tell you this, though. This, this was an uh, interesting thing. I was in Eureka last summer working out at the, at the farms with my brother-in-laws and my father-in-law, and, and it was lunchtime. And so we drive into town, and we go to this uh, Mexican restaurant. Like, I don't know, 75% of the time we go to Mexican restaurants. Uh, anyway, we go to this Mexican restaurant, and I remember, like, we parked. And if you're from Eureka, you probably know what I'm talking about. We parked, and I'm like, this is a restaurant? Like, there's no way. I'm like, okay, only in Eureka could this restaurant. Like, this is not mixed. I'm like, surely... Like the health guy, like don't they have health people that come to Eureka? Like this is not, there's no way. I literally, I thought the restaurant was going to slide off into the ditch at some point. And it was just completely sketchy. Best food ever. So good. Uh, like if you go there, just look for the restaurant that looks like it's going to fall off the side of the street and into whatever's behind it. Go there, tell them Corey sent you. They will not know what you're talking about but it'll be fun, uh, and then eat there because it is really, really good, really good food. I, like, a, a great dining experience really comes down to, to two things. When you go to a new restaurant or you go to a restaurant, there's really two things it comes down to. The food, how the food tastes, what, the presentation, whatever. Uh, is it good? Is it not good? And then the atmosphere. What's going on around you? What do you see? If there's a cockroach on the table, hmm, kind of like the atmosphere kind of dips a little bit, right? You're like, I don't know if I, I don't care how good the food is, a little extra protein in there, I just don't know. So it really takes both of those things. It's all about what you see and what you taste. And so we do have some engineers and some brainy people in here, and so I thought I'd give you an equation for today uh, for those of you who think uh, like that. I do not, so it took me a long time to come up with this, but maybe you'll appreciate it. Uh, good food comes out of this. Food plus atmosphere equals experience, right? It, you go someplace where the food is good and the atmosphere is good, you're like, that was amazing. That was a great experience. A few years ago, Andy and I were in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you're cool, you call it FOCO. Just try that. Uh, it's really good. So, and we, and we, I don't know, it's like it was my birthday or something. I don't know. It's like when I'm married to Andrea, every day is like my birthday. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, you're all like, what did he do yesterday, right? So, uh, so we go to this restaurant. Uh, if you've ever been to Fort Collins, Colorado, really cool town. I've got some um, cousins that live there, and so we go there quite often. And, and uh, so we go to Old Town, Fort Collins, and we went to this restaurant called Jack's. It's a seafood place. We really like, if it's not Mexican, we like seafood. We go to Jack's. Not only, um, not only was my date that night really nice to look at, but food was great. <laughs> food was great. And, and the atmosphere was amazing. Just really cool place to go. And so I'm kind of excited. Um, I was just telling her the other day, man, we got to go back to Fort Collins. Not to see the cousins. They don't watch this. Um, but to go to Jack's. We need to go back to Jack's and hang out in, uh, in, in Old Town. Well, okay, so the message today is not all about just like um, restaurants, but I'm thinking about the two criteria for restaurants, food and atmosphere, as it applies to church. So Jesus has given us real life, life without fences. That was talked about last week. So Jesus removed the fences between us and God so we can have a relationship with God the Father, and, and then he's removed the, the fences, and we're to remove the fences between us and other people, right? So we can have relationships with others, that community living. And so life in this new community, what we call living in the kingdom of God, it was, an intended, it was intended to be a picture of the relationship that humanity had with God way back in the beginning. So if you go back to Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, and you read about the relationship that God had with humanity, that's what was supposed to happen. Jesus came to restore that relationship that had been lost because of sin. Sin builds fences. Jesus came to tear those things down. And so when we live in the community, in the kingdom of God, we live by a new set of ethics or new set of values. And the top two ethics, top two values in, in the church, in the kingdom living, is that we love God and we love others. And so in this whole series this month, we've been talking about what God intended kingdom living to look like, like a community where love reigns, where there's love, not just between me and God, but between me and other people as we come together. God wants all people to know this life, this life in the kingdom, a life not only um, that offers salvation, but a, a life of forgiveness and peace and healing and purpose and hope. Uh, but here's the question I think that we're left with as we look at all of these things. How do people discover this kingdom community? Are we just supposed to stumble upon it? Is it just like an osmosis thing? Like I have a neighbor or I have an aunt or grandma or something who is a Christian, and so then I, I must be okay because I know somebody or there's somebody in my family line that is a believer. How do people hear about this community so that they can then experience the kingdom of God for themselves? Because being a part of the kingdom is really an experiential thing. And we know that because how many times have you talked to somebody who's never been to church or hadn't been to church in a really long time, and you wear your shirt and you say, I love my church. And they're like, how can you love church? This is my picture of church. And you're like, that's, no, that's not what church is at all. And so we have to experience the kingdom of God for ourselves. 
And so fortunately, we go back to God's word. God tells us how to engage other people so that they can understand why we love our church. It's a very simple plan, but it has a very high probability of struggle. So I don't know if you're aware of this in the church, but there's a lot of things that are like really easy, like really easy when it comes to church. Really easy, really hard sometimes, and difficult to live out in our daily lives. And so it's kind of that struggle that we have. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5 today and look at what Jesus has to say. This is Jesus speaking to his followers um, in in the beginning of his ministry. And and we're going to talk about this in in just a minute. But Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning chapter in what we call uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So this is Jesus' largest body of teaching to people who were just beginning to follow him. In fact, Matthew 5 starts out with, if you've been to church or been to VBS or whatever, you've probably heard of the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the, fill in the blank, all these different things. This is the kind of the middle of that chapter that starts out with a Beatitude. So here's what Jesus says to his followers. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Uh, rhetorical question, by the way. It can't. That's the answer. Uh, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He then says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying this, as salt is to food, you are to people. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're to be to other people like salt is to food. So, so what is salt? We all know what, what salt is. Salt is a flavoring agent. Salt makes food taste better. If you're going to grill a steak, here's a little tip for you. If you're going to grill a steak, salt it. Salt it a lot on the top and the bottom, and then let it rest for a while before you put it on the grill. Best steak, you got to salt it, salt it, salt it, put it on the grill. So good. There's an extra tip for you uh, for next weekend, Memorial Day, uh, when you're grilling out. Salt is good. Salt is the first condiment that people reach for when their food is not so good, right? So you got you to gotta watch. If you make food for family or something, have some friends over, this, like you're watching. What are, are they going to grab the salt? Not going to grab the salt? One of my favorite movies, I, some of you will appreciate this. One of my favorite movies is um, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Do you know that one? It's really good. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the lady in the, in the movie, she uh, says, as she puts her food to the guy who soon becomes her husband, uh, she says, my food can stand on its own two feet. So you might use that uh, later. Another freebie for you. Salt is, is good, and it helps. So if you make something, somebody like reaches for the salt, oh, must be bland, must not be really good. If you ever eat with any of my wife's family, any of the nap people, just um, push the salt to their plate at the very beginning because they will salt their food before they ever take a bite. That, like, do you know, it's my mother-in-law. She's not in here. Good. She, um, oh man. Darn it. Okay, my mother-in-law, bless her heart. 
Did you know that if you say, bless your heart, whatever comes after that, you can't be in trouble for? It's another tip, full of tips today. Uh, so my mother-in-law sits down to a, to a meal, and she just looks at it and goes, this needs salt. And then she salts it, so of salt. Now, I'm, I'm not a salt person. I'm a pepper person. I like, I like pepper. And so that's the first thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach for. We all understand what salt does, why salt is, is good. Jesus is making an important statement in this text, not about food, but about followers, his followers, with this metaphor. And, and what he's saying is that, that we're to enhance the lives of those around us like salt enhances our food. Christians are, be, are to be as important to enhancing life as salt is to enhancing food. When we're around other people, they should think positively of us as believers because we improve life for them. We're to make life better for those around us, more enjoyable, more palatable, more fun. Whenever we're around, it should be better. We're to make the bad stuff better and the good stuff greater. It's part of what we're called to do in, in Jesus. Jesus also said that we're to, uh, or that as light is to darkness, we are to people. So the same way food enhance, or salt enhances food for others, light enhances darkness. Light makes the darkness better. It's not as scary. You can see what you're doing, what you're after. But, but I want to make sure that we get this picture because sometimes we tend to look at the Bible and read the stories in the Bible uh, through the lens of our own experience and our own life, right? And, and so there's a lot of things we read in the Bible. We go, like, this just doesn't make any sense. And it's because we're thinking about it in terms of today and how we live. And when you, when you think about what Jesus is saying here about light, we, we're like, you've got to make some changes to understand what Jesus is saying. If you have ever gone camping, like out in the prairie, way away from everybody else, where there's no outside light coming to you, and all you have is like a, a little uh, lighter, a little lighter, and that's all the light, that, think about that, because that's what Jesus was talking about. The people in the first century, they used wicker um, oil lamps, and they did not put off a lot of light. And they lived in um, like a, adobe kind of stucco houses, and they didn't have a lot of windows or anything, and so it could get very dark in there. And they didn't just flip on the light switch when the sun goes down, right? In the wintertime, we can do all kinds of things. We just turn the lights on, turn our car light. There's light everywhere. We can have light anytime we want it. First century people didn't have that. When the sun went down, everything stopped because you couldn't see to do anything else. And, and so this is the kind of idea. Jesus was saying, look, you're to be light, and light was absolutely necessary for life in Jesus' in Jesus day. And, and so there's really important distinction here, though, because we're not only to bring the light into other people's lives, but based on this text, we are the light to other people's lives. Like as Holy Spirit works in us to transform us so that we look more like Jesus every day, then the light of Jesus illuminates our lives and then our lives are to illuminate the lives of others. So we bring clarity to chaos. We bring hope 
to the darkness and despair that so many people are dealing with in life. And so you think about this like this is just the way it normally happens. If you're a Christian and you're in a workplace where there's not a lot of Christians and you're doing your best to, you know, be a disciple, look like Jesus every day, people might ignore you a lot. They don't talk to you about, it's like, it's like they don't know what I'm going through or whatever. But if that person has a, like a big struggle in their life, they get terrible news, something going on with their family or whatever, they're, they're going to come to you and they're going to go, hey, this is going on, you know, like, do you have any advice? Like, what do I do? And we get the opportunity to speak into that struggle about the light and the life of God. And we go, look, this is how I can make it through. We watch these videos about why people love their church. And I always think, how, man, I can't imagine not having my church family. Going through a struggle in my life and not having my church family to reach out to. Not having people that I know, like they're counting on me and I'm counting on them and they got my back. So it's amazing what we can speak into others' lives. We may make life's ups and downs a little easier for others to navigate because we're walking in the light of the kingdom just just like Jesus. And so as salt and light, we bring taste and atmosphere, the taste and atmosphere of Jesus' kingdom to those around us. So if food plus atmosphere equals experience, if food plus atmosphere equals experience, then the way that people experience the kingdom is through kingdom people. Do you know, how, how do people understand? How do people know what's going on? How do, how do people learn about church and learn about what God is doing and what, what's happening with Jesus? Well, they have to experience kingdom people. They have to be in life with us. They have to see us. They have to hear from us. We got to salt their life. We got to be light to their life so they can begin to experience a little bit of that kingdom. And they come and go, man, how can you handle these things? How can you be calm in this situation? How can and we go, well, I have, I have trust. I have hope that no matter what happens, like I'm going to see Jesus. I'm, like we get to be that for other people. It's amazing to think about all that God entrusts to his people. Like if you go all the way back to Genesis again, all the way back to the beginning, you find out that God entrusts his people um, with a lot. In fact, he entrusted his people to curate his creation. G- Genesis 1.25, this is what God said to humanity, to Adam and Eve. He said, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God turned it all over to his people to manage on his behalf. That was a big risk, right? I mean, God created this incredible universe, and at the end, he's like, this is good. This is very good. This is amazing. And then he's like, I'm going to give it to these people, honestly, who I know are going to pretty much destroy it. God entrusted us, entrusted us with so much. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And and just like God entrusted people to curate his creation, Jesus comes on the scene and he entrusts us to curate his culture. He goes, I'm I'm like the church is going to happen and it's going to happen through these 12 guys and it's going to grow and there's going to be lots of other people who come along. Like he took a big risk, right? Because he knew the kind of things that we were going to do to his church. And so people sometimes struggle with the church. Oh, it's full of self-righteous people. It's full of this kind of, this kind, bunch of hypocrites or whatever. 
that's because we're not cultivating the culture very well. We're not curating that culture, that culture well. <coughs> Excuse me. When we intentionally love one another, when we use our gifts, when we live out the love of God toward others inside and outside the church, then we're enhancing the lives of others. That's when we're illuminating life for other people. And so saying that I love my church, it isn't just about feeling happy here when we gather together and it's exciting and we're all like, woohoo, we're clapping and everything. That's not all there is to it. It's not just for us. Loving our church is not just for us, but it really is about those people who are outside, who may be experiencing a life that is bland or dark. We're to be the salt and light in those situations as well. <coughs> so God entrusts us to curate this kingdom experience for other people for the world around us so that so that the food which we might call the message or the, the music how we how we get that stuff so that the food is good but then we also have to be mindful of the atmosphere because both are needed to create a great experience and so um, how do we help people who don't know our god how do we help them understand why we love our church? This is part of the, the question. How do we do this? Well, the, the first thing is people will experience Jesus' kingdom community when you and I live the values of Jesus' kingdom in our daily ordinary. Our daily ordinary. It's like our daily lives, just the mundane things that we do each and every day. Uh, did you hear the story about... Um, the 18-year-old who, on a dare, uh, drank, I think it was uh, a, a quart of soy sauce. Just, right, just like he just downed it. Did you hear about him? So, so this guy, like almost immediately, he like has a seizure. He like totally ODs. He goes into a coma. And like he's in a, I don't remember how, I don't remember what the story says. Like a couple weeks, he's in a coma. He's in the hospital. I, don't worry, everything turned out fine. He has like no residual leftover stuff. But for a while, it was like pretty freaky. Like, what did you do? I drank a quart of soy sauce. Let me just tell you, dumb idea. <laughs> dumb. I don't know if you ever thought, like who, who looks at a bottle of soy sauce and goes, hmm. It's, it's probably one of those things where you go, less is better. Uh, so like it's really good, but you, like an extra drop in your like food and then it's, it's not good. I can't believe it. I drank a whole quart of, of soy sauce, completely OD'd. It was a terrible situation. L listen to this. <laughs> we are supposed to be salt and light to the world around us so that they can experience the kingdom of God through us, not so that they can they can OD on our sodium, on our salt, or be blinded by our shine, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, are we enhancing and, and lighting life for other people, or are we harming and blinding other people? I, I mentioned um, earlier Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Uh, they show us that we can't separate our message in Jesus from our lifestyle in the world. But the Beatitudes are really about how you live. 
And the Jewish people in Jesus' day believed that as long as they were going to the temple, as long as they were making the sacrifices, as long as they were doing these certain things that God told them to do, they could live however they wanted to. They could perpetuate injustice and, and, and harm, and they could live um, unrighteous lives and unholy lives as long as they went to the temple every week and they did their sacrifice, they did their things. And Jesus comes along and says, no, look, it's your whole life. It's how you treat others. It's how you relate to them. It's how you expand or explain the kingdom of God to other people. It's this whole thing that has to do with your life. Let me give you an example. Uh, last summer, uh, Andy and I were down in Texas, and uh, I don't remember exactly where we were, uh, but there was a, a guy on a street corner kind of near us standing on like an egg crate kind of thing, and, um, and, and he was preaching. Like there was a sign, I think there is one of those signs you've probably seen, uh, repent or perish, that sign. I, there's a sign, I don't remember where that sign is, but I think maybe going up to Emporia or something, there's a sign on the side of the road that, that uh, is like repent or die something like this, a very feel-good kind of sign. Um, anyway, this guy's standing on this crate. There's a sign there, and, and he's preaching, you know, hellfire and hand grenades. You all are a bunch of sinners. You, you're going to hell. You're going to burn. You better give your life to Jesus. And I'll tell you, um, I watched for a few minutes. Not a single person stopped to listen to that guy. And why would you? You're out on a beautiful day enjoying yourself and there's some guy screaming at you that, you know, every, the way you've lived your life is completely horrible and everything is backwards and you're going to hell and you might as well just not even try. I mean, that's kind of the way it is sometimes. It, it, here's the deal. Um, it is difficult to come to faith and experience kingdoms, salt and light, when a Christian comes in like an Apache attack helicopter, you know, they fly in low and like land, they like drop their bombs and then they take off out of your life. And you, you're like, what, what just happened? What just happened? I can't believe it. Like everything was going good, you know, and then this person just comes in and I'm terrible and I'm horrible and I can't do anything right in my life and God must hate me and da da That's the way church is and, and, and Christianity is for a lot of people. And, and, and so look, it, it, I think, this is my personal opinion, I think it probably takes less of God's spirit to stand on a street corner and tell everybody they're going to hell than it does to actually get up in the morning and go to your job every day, go to school, go to the, I don't know, the PTO class, go to, go to whatever it is you're doing, and simply live like Jesus. See, I think being salt and light in the world is difficult because we're surrounded all the time with people who are not living the way that we would live, who are speaking not in a way that we would choose to speak, that are doing things that we, we know we shouldn't do. And it's easy to fall into those traps, but to get up every morning and to go through the, 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 the story of your day and to live like Jesus and to be salt and light in those moments, that's where spiritual difficulty, that's where spiritual discipline comes into play. Because anybody, I mean, it's scary, but anybody can go for an afternoon and stand on a street corner with people they don't know and will never see again 
and tell them how terrible they are and how much God hates them. But to get up every morning and go to, go to work, go to school, go about your daily life and interact with people and shine the light of Jesus in their life and be Jesus to them, that's where the spiritual rubber hits the road. Here's why. Just because the message may be accurate doesn't mean that it's effective. Doesn't mean that it's effective. See, being salt and light doesn't mean that we make sure every unsaved person knows they're going to hell. It means we show them the way to heaven. And, and, and too many times people think, oh, Christians are just, they're just going to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, God will, God, the Holy Spirit will do that. <laughs> I got to tell you about Jesus. I got to let you see Jesus in me. And I, and I got to let God, I got to let the Holy Spirit deal with you in that. People need to experience Jesus' kingdom when they experience us in the trivial, in the day-to-day -day stuff of life. So your coworkers, your gym bros, your neighbors, the other parents at, at daycare, wherever people are, they need to experience the kingdom in the normal and in those moments, I think the normal becomes extraordinary because people will taste and they'll see from your life that God is good. Here's the second thing. People will experience Jesus' kingdom when we, who are already or have already experienced Jesus, want others to experience life with him too. We got to want to share the message. We got to want to be salt and light in those circumstances and situations. And again, it's not easy. When everybody's talking down about somebody, it's easy to jump in on that. It's difficult to be salt to flavor that situation, to bring light to somebody who maybe is getting off, off track. Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And people don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand where it can give light to the whole house. And so you think about that first century home where the whole entire family, generally grandparents and parents and, and kids, they're all living and sleeping in the same room on mats. And it gets very dark. And so when you're getting ready, you take a lamp and you put it up on a stand and then everybody in the house can see. All the, not just the person holding it, but everybody else can see. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that, so that, two things, they will see your good works and then they'll glorify the Father. And that really is the goal. That's why we want to be salt and light is so that the people won't just see us, but so that they'll see Jesus in us. And so loving the church, it's not about buildings and it's not about programs, it's about people. It's about relationships, primarily your relationship with God. Like that's the, that's the one we want to make sure we get, right? Right off the bat. But second, and a very close second to that, is the relationship that we have with other people, those inside and those outside the church. The, the very first week of this series, we read John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when, when Christians, when we come together and we're just around other Christians, like there's a lot of salt and light in this room right now. And it's good because it strengthens us, right? We get something out of this. You've heard of the last several weeks, people say, man, I come to church, I feel like I get filled up and I, I just like gives me what I need to face the rest of the week. 
Um, we can be strengthened in that, but what are we being strengthened for? What's the purpose? We, we come here and we get filled up and it's good and exciting and it goes nowhere if we're not living that out by being salt and light to the world around us. If we're never interacting with people outside the church, then we failed to be salt and light in their lives. We're to live Jesus' kingdom values in connection with our world. And, and so I want to leave you with one, um, one question uh, today. If this was our last Sunday as a church, if we were saying, hey, 15 years, that's great, we're done. <laughs> like, don't bother coming back next week. If this was our last Sunday as a church, if we closed the doors for good, would El Dorado mourn? With the vast majority of people, some 14,000 in the, in the city, about 52,000 within a 20-minute radius, would they be sad that we left? Would they be glad? Would they, would they not even know? Like they, would they been here for 15 years? They didn't even know. See, here's what I think. I think that we have to work for the next 15 years to be a church that doesn't just love itself, but loves its city. And if we're going to do that, we've got to be salt and light so that the world will experience Jesus' kingdom when they experience us as Jesus' people. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. Thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for being the salt and light to this world and then passing that on to us. It is difficult, God, because we know that tomorrow, like there's going to be sick kids, there's going to be difficult situations at work, or, or maybe we're going to wake up tomorrow and, and we're going to be faced with the fact like, oh, we don't have a job. Like we know that tomorrow and for the next several days this week, like life could be tough. It is difficult to live out our faith at, at work and in, the, in that daily ordinary that we find ourselves in. And so, Father, would, would you strengthen us? Would your Holy Spirit be, be with us and, and, and give us what we need to be aware of the things that are going on around us and then to intentionally be salt and light in those moments to, to enhance the situations that people are going through around us, to, to help pick them up when they're down and, and to celebrate with them when something good has happened. Help us to be light in the darkness. There's a lot of, lot of darkness and it feels like there might be more coming. People are concerned about the economy and about inflation and about all kinds of things. And so God, help us to be light in those situations, to go, yeah, like I, I, these things might happen, but I know that, that Jesus is on the throne. I know where my life is. I know where my foundation is. And I'm going to keep being salt and light to the world. And so help us, God, to live like that, to be Jesus to those around us. Um, Father, thank you for the last 15 years. And would you give us another 15 uh, to just look more like your son Jesus each and every day. Thanks, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, so a few things are going to happen, so don't get up.